Thanks, Matthew. How's it going so far? It's okay? Sort of people made a kind of salute or something like that. It's okay. Uh, noble silence is really helpful because it helps the practices to settle in <clears throat> better than if we're, you know, in our usual mode of talking more often. But from 5 to 7 p.m., uh, as I said, we can, you can talk with others uh, quietly, but only outside of the buildings. So, so we don't have the kind of echo effect within the buildings, okay? And people can keep practicing if they'd like. And after each session, it's good to just keep touching in on the practice that we just did and keep kind of imprinting it and exploring things in light of it, okay? And if you have too much difficulty at one point, as it said in the five principles of SCT handout, uh, during a guided meditation, if you just too much is being stirred up that you have difficulty uh, kind of keeping in the room with it, that's okay. You just take a break and uh, you can take a little walk or do some yoga or relax or stretch. Uh, and also if you need to, you know, if you uh, have some difficulty come up or something, you can also uh, connect with me about that. But so far, so good. It's basically okay. And let's try to keep noble silence as best we can. Okay, so what's the instruction with the gong? Uh, when uh, you hear the sound of the gong, what do you do? Uh, anybody? Uh, let it draw you into it more and more. Thanks. I mean, the day is, the day is coming or has come when I'm sort of forgetting, so I may actually need to do that more and more. So just let the sound draw you in more and more. And then what happens when you notice that your mind is wandering, thinking of other things? Then what? Um, let the sound draw you back to it because you've kind of come out of it and then draw you into it more and more again. Okay? And just relaxing into it, enjoying it.
increasingly we can notice the qualities that emerge through that practice and just steepen them more and more like the qualities that we all named last session just steepen them and let you help them settle into their ground more and more just by steeping in them relaxing into them letting them unify you with them letting it be done not doing So, you remember that field of care meditation we did last session? Anybody forgot about that? So, uh, that used to be a joke. Uh, Did anyone notice any difficulties arise with that uh, meditation process? That is, uh, reactions to the meditation that took your attention away from it? from the felt sense of the loving qualities, kind of reactions that came up in the mind. So it wasn't just an easy process of steeping in them more and more, but reactions were coming up and made it hard to, to do that. And can you name one such difficulty in a, in a word or phrase? Not, I'm not so much looking for long, detailed discussion, uh, but just you know, in a word or phrase or sentence. Can you name a difficulty that came up for you? And I think in the back. Distraction. Distraction, yeah. Good, yep. Uh, changing between two different caring moments. Yeah. One more first. Is this practice new to you or not? Yeah. So when it's, when it's new to, you, to someone, it's typical that we're still kind of uh, connecting maybe with different caring moments as we enter into it, because we haven't really, we may not have settled yet on one that's that's quite effective for us. So that's okay, but, but the the direction is to be able to settle into one, just one for the time of the meditation. So we're not oscillating around, and as we reflect on it, and also between sessions reflecting on it, uh, we may re- remember more moments and then s- settle on a different one and see how that is until we settle on maybe a stable of a few kinds of moments like that that we come back to again and again. Yeah? Uh, I was using a caring moment I hadn't used before and there was part of my mind that was questioning. Like, oh, is that really? Yeah, I was, so I'm repeating so everyone can hear that, that I, settled, I went into a caring moment that I hadn't used before and I found my, part of me was sort of questioning it. Can I, is that, was that really a caring moment? Was that real care? Uh, like that. And then uh, back there. Today's was very powerful and wonderful. Having done it uh, daily for several months, it seems like I habituate to that the field of care, and it's not as powerful. Yeah. And I'm doing it daily, and yeah, get used to it. Yeah. So I've been doing it. I was, uh, 
So you're saying that I've been doing it for some period of time and it's, uh, it used to be very powerful, but now it seems like I've gotten, I've habituated to it in a way that's becoming a little bit stale to me. So, okay, good. Um, yeah. Yeah. So a feeling of heaviness in my body that felt like it might be a moment of dissociation, kind of blocking the process. Good. Uh, yes? Thoughts about whether I deserve the feeling. Wonderful, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> sorry, it's just it's such, it's such a good example. Uh, so thoughts, thoughts about whether I deserve this, uh, this, this feeling of love and warmth and acceptance. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, concepts thinking about the feeling rather than just steeping in the f- feeling of love, warmth, acceptance, and so on. Yep. Yep. Grieving and missing my mentor. Grieving and missing my mentor. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Yep. Um, the lucidity of the moment dissipates after like, the first few seconds of grieving. Uh, so the lucidity of that moment came but then disappeared very quickly. Complexity of the relationship, so <clears throat> so maybe some uh, so maybe some doubts are coming up because of the complexity, uh, not experiencing it as just a simple moment of loving care. This is more of the second option about a person who served as a caring mentor. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so the complexity of the relationship, it was a, a benefactor uh, uh, kind of relationship or mentor relationship. And I don't experience the complexity, the complexity of that relationship as just one singular um, loving uh, kind of um, uh, holding environment. Good. Okay. Um, With regard to the, the problem of uh, becoming too habituated to it, it can be helpful to engage it in a fresh way by, by kind of reminding ourselves that what we're, what we're doing by employing a field of care is actually uh, gaining more access to qualities of our own awareness. And that's actually a pretty exciting possibility. So I think if, if we lose that sense of it, it can just become rote. But if we keep that sense of it, it becomes an ongoing journey of discovery. And if one kind of field of care is, feels a little bit too stale, then try another kind of field of care because there's a, there can be a kind of an excitement in the process of more and more discovery of qualities that are made available to us by different fields of care. So it can, it can keep opening up. Um, uh, with regard to the question about bringing a benefactor or a mentor to mind, when starting the process, it's most helpful to think of someone for which there is not such complication. So if you are bringing to mind a benefactor or a mentor, it may be one that you haven't met. So there's, it's not as complicated. 
This is partly how Tibetans use the Dalai Lama. Most Tibetans have not personally met him. Or even if they did, it was just like, like in passing, like, you know, like that. But uh, he's serving, they have, a, they have a sense that somehow they, they're very grateful that he's in their world. And it's kind of a blessing to, to think of him and bring him to mind. So it's, it's simpler, less complicated for many Tibetans. That's just an example. It can also be someone whose writing has been really inspiring and profound for you. But you haven't necessarily met them personally, that sort of thing. Uh, and then there are other options, of course, we also can explore caring moments or what you might uh, experience as a spiritual field for you and so forth, or different mentors that are not so common. So when first entering into it, the, the purpose of it, again, is really to find access to qualities of our own awareness. So if it's just too complicated for us to just uh, experience ourselves as kind of resting in a loving environment of it, then that's too complicated. Uh, we need to be able to bring to mind some kind of field of care that's simpler for us, uh, at least in the beginning. And by the beginning, I mean the first 10 years. <laughs> I mean, I'm just joking partly, but I mean, for the first some months and years of what may become daily practice, and then gradually uh, we discover that things begin to simplify for what we had felt was more complicated. And we can begin to sense more of the, the, the power of underlying uh, care that was there. And so we become simpler in a way, and then it doesn't really matter how complicated we had experienced our relationships when we were younger or something, or in an earlier stage. It's, we're simplifying. And we can sense that there was care there, and we can sort of milk that. But that's usually at a later state of practice. It's not how to begin the practice. Is there a further question about that? Yeah. Yeah, so again, uh, just the complication. Uh, of course, that's why I didn't say, now everybody think of a Buddha or a Bodhisattva or the Dalai Lama. That's not our approach. But there may be people in the room for whom that's a meaningful point of connection or signals them, oh, this is how it can be. It can be that simple. Maybe there's someone like that for me, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, uh, Maya Angelou, figures like that that, oh, it turns out I have those too that have been profoundly inspiring, that are really uplifting for me to bring to mind. Just wouldn't it be really neat to just have them be present with them and let that resonate? But you can also try caring moments. And there the focus is not so much on the person, in their, the, the full person, but just a moment of um, loving resonance with another person. So we're not focusing so much on are they perfect enough or uh, 
is it, are, are they simply loving enough or something like that? It's just the caring moment is simply loving enough, if it is, if we find it, um, that it make, makes us happy to recall it, then that's, uh, we're capturing a moment and settling into that, the resonance of that moment. So each of us has our own process, and it's, it can be a process of exploring into it. Uh, but I don't think any of these things have to be taken as some kind of a, a, a block. There's always a way forward, because we always have these qualities available in our awareness, and they've been stimulated and evoked in caring moments by other people and um, by spiritual fields, if that's a meaningful perspective for some of us. That's been happening. It's just a matter of strong enough interest to keep exploring. Can I find one that's now, oh, I'm feeling that these qualities are available, are coming. And it's not that they're giving it to us, that we're, qualities of, of my awareness are coming. And to begin to cooperate with those qualities. I think everyone can find a way, but it takes time and it's its own process. Um, and then in the back. Oh, no, absolutely. I, I even name pets. A moment of snuggling with a child or with a pet. Absolutely. I think that's part of the reason why we have so-called pets. I don't, I don't think the word pet, re- pet really captures it, what they are to us. They're more like profound friends uh, of another species. Really. Or can be. So, no, that's very real. Absolutely. I think that's part of the reason we have them is to have many caring moments. And they're evoking qualities uh, in the way that they snuggle with us or as we pet them, the way they're res- responding to that patting. It's, it, we're just resonating with each other. It's very, very important. So absolutely. And then finally, one, one more. Yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, so that's the invitation to talk about what I will uh, say now. <laughs> that's, if you've asked, I now have your permission to go into this. Um, so this field of care kind of receptive mode of practice uh, cultivates receptivity, as, as we've been saying, receptivity to qualities, kind of loving or compassionate, or kind of wise qualities of our awareness. Uh, And another word for receptivity is vulnerability. We're cultivating a kind of vulnerability to qualities of our awareness and and their energies. But uh, parts of us have been concerned to protect us from vulnerability. So that's going right to your question. why do thoughts come up uh, like, uh, I, I don't deserve this, or this doesn't uh, seem right, or uh, um, I don't really trust this, or I don't really believe this? Parts of us are coming up that are concerned to protect us from, from vulnerability like this, uh, for fear that we may be hurt. So this practice often evokes parts of us, and by parts of us I mean senses of self, 
and their associated thoughts and uh, reactions. So it could be a whole train of thought and reaction uh, organized around a sense of self that's reacting in this way. That's what I mean by a part of us. So the, the practice itself will tend to evoke parts of us that resist the meditation. So, for example, if, uh, as we've, we've heard some examples of that, but also a fearful part of us may arise that's just afraid of opening to these qualities. Or a wounded part of us may arise that uh, wants to think about how <coughs> we haven't received enough love from others our whole life. Some people are beginning to nod, sort of recognize this. I kind of recognize all of them. Or a controlling part of us may arise that wants to take over the meditation by thinking of other things. So, time to think of other things. Things that you mentioned, distraction. It's not, not necessarily just distraction. It's like a part of us just wants to take over now. Okay, fine, done with this. I need to plan my day tomorrow. <laughs> Or uh, a cynical sense of self may, may come up that may think of reasons not to trust any caring moment or benefactor. <coughs> and then the mind is off thinking about is this benefactor really good enough or pure enough or, uh, uh, or things like that. But there's, there, at that moment, there's no awareness in the mind of the sense of self that is, is, wants to think that, about those things. That is a part of us that is uh, that's shutting down the process and doesn't want to become vulnerable in this way. I mean, on its own terms, it, it feels like it has good reason to shut down the process and not go into it further. Or we may just not have enough access to the process itself and just need another field of care option, of course. That's true, too. Or there might be a protective part of us that may just shut down the flow of love and care because of past hurt. Like you're saying kind of a little bit of dissociation, just shutting down everything. Um, or there may be a self-critical part that comes up that, that says, I, I don't deserve love. I don't deserve this. These are very common Sorry, just they are. They're part of our makeup. Um, there may also be a caretaking sense of self. If any of you are in helping professions or serving others, um, a kind of a caretaking sense of self may come up that says that I should only focus on others. I'm not supposed to experience love myself like this. This is wrong. <clears throat> And also a sense of self may come up that wants to grieve the loss of a loving figure, which, which did come up. That's very common. And that's perfectly fine and healthy within the practice. But it can become unhealthy if it, if it won't let that feeling of grief itself be embraced in the loving qualities of the meditation. So the way that we... Uh, it's very natural that we may find ourselves grieving for a moment about someone that we've uh, brought to mind as our, as our field of care at the loss of them. But um, that can be taken right into the practice simply by letting that feeling of grief and associated thoughts all be embraced in these loving qualities. And indeed, that may be why that feeling of grief came up, is because it needs that and should have that. But in the, it becomes a problem only by when the mind is more committed to its usual way of experiencing grief, 
and doesn't let it be embraced in these loving qualities. As if it, we have to go somewhere else now and grieve and the loving qualities are not here for us in that grief. But actually they are. And we learn that within the practice. So these parts of us, or senses of self, often first adopted these protective strategies, protecting us from becoming vulnerable. Uh, in our childhood, when it first appeared to us that the loving qualities <clears throat> that we experience with others come just from the others, from an external world that's never fully reliable. So these senses of self, or parts of us think, that will get hurt if these loving qualities are not accessed from the external world, like from my benefactor, or from this caring figure, or this spiritual figure, if these qualities are not accessed from that external world in a safe enough way that this part of me is in charge of, then I may get hurt. I'll repeat that. These, these parts of us think that we'll get hurt if the loving qualities are not accessed from the external world in a safe enough way that they're in charge of because they assume that these qualities come from the external world. They come from the benefactor, the caring figure, the whatever. That this, is that safe? I can't let them be in charge of these qualities. So I'm going to shut it down or think of other things or, or other stuff. So they, these parts of us then, these senses of self, think that they're protecting us from being hurt within this practice by obstructing our receptivity to the qualities themselves, which are actually qualities of our own underlying awareness. That's been the habit of our minds, by and large, from childhood. So others who have been present to us in, in loving ways in our lives, as I said before, they've, they've, they've helped evoke our own loving capacities. So we experience loving qualities emerge from our awareness. Think of it. If you, if you had a, a loving figure in, in your life as a child, for example, then as a child, it, 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 it probably seemed like when that loving person came in a loving way to be with you, and you were experiencing the warmth and acceptance and goodness of that and joy in that as if they brought it to you. It's the most natural thing. A child assumes that. But from a Buddhist point of view, they, they didn't actually bring that to you and put that in you. By being present in that way to you, they evoked those qualities from your awareness. That's not something as a child that we could have been conscious of. So the field of care meditation cultivates a kind of vulnerability to loving qualities. And protective parts of us may try to prevent that vulnerability so we don't become too vulnerable to the external world that, that they think is the source of the qualities. Is that sort of clear? So when we do the field of care meditation again, we need to help these protective parts of us that arise, sense that the loving qualities that they're experiencing are coming from the depth of our own awareness, which is a reliable source of love from the nature of our mind, not from an external world that may not be reliable. We need to help these parts of us as they arise 
begin to recognize that. And then I'll say something about why that is. There's a question in the back. I'm sorry. Uh, is it possible to is is it possible to save that yes. till a little bit later? Because yes. right now we're in a certain kind of flow, and it sounds like that could be a great thing to bring up after we do the meditation. Is that okay? Thanks. <clears throat> so, how to help these parts of us that the, that the meditation almost inevitably uh, evokes begin to sense more and more that the qualities they're experiencing are actually coming from our own depth of awareness. And therefore, they might explore trusting that a little bit and experiencing what it's like to steep in those qualities rather than just trying to stop them or push them away or think of other things. To help them get a sense of that, because that'll be key to begin to um, heal the parts of us that come up. Yeah? Yeah. It's our Buddha nature. Yeah. When I say depth of awareness, it's another way of saying Buddha nature, the depth of our awareness. So, how to help these parts of us learn that that what they're experiencing are qualities emerging from our own awareness. They that they. They're not coming from an external world that they may not be able to rely on, and, and they, may, they don't actually need to protect us from these qualities. That they could steep in these qualities and experience what that's like, rather than fight with them. So how to do that? So there are three principles for that in the meditation, and that's what I'm introducing now, which I call accessing, noticing, and including. Accessing, noticing, and including. This is all in your handout, by the way. So I'm about to introduce what in your SAT meditation handout is meditation number two. And the instruction on that in the handout briefly mentions this. So you'll have it there to look at later. You don't don't have to look at it now, but it'll be under preparing for meditation number two. So accessing, noticing, and including. So first, accessing. We use the field of care to access qualities from the depth of our awareness, loving qualities, and so forth. And then within the field of meditation, within the field of care meditation, then the second principle, notice when any part of you, any sense of self comes up uh, and its associated feelings. And instead of getting sucked into them, just let them be gently included that's the third principle. Just let them be gently included in the warmth and acceptance that's evoked by the field of care as a healing environment for all the parts and their feelings. So senses of self and feelings that arise can feel accepted and welcomed and can start to relax and settle and heal. And that can begin to let further qualities of love and compassion come forth over time. So this is a way to help the various parts of us that come up sense that the source of the qualities they're experiencing is the depth of our own awareness, our Buddha nature. And that is actually reliable and inexhaustible. Not conditional, not limited. Not dependent on the shifting 
external conditions of the world. So I'll just repeat those three principles, accessing, noticing, including accessing the qualities with the help of a field of care, loving qualities. So we need to find a field of care that is simple enough for us that we can begin to access them. And then having accessed them, that may evoke some part of us, some sense of self and, and reactions. And then instead of getting sucked into them, just let them be gently included. Whatever, in a sense, whatever parts of us want to come to the surface of our awareness, they have an open invitation to come. So as we notice them arising, this or that sense of self and this or that reaction with it, you're welcome here. Having noticed it, now just let it include itself, or just include it in this uh, kind of loving environment, this kind of healing, holding environment. You're welcome here to just process or metabolize themselves in their own way, in their own time. Is that sort of clear? Listen, it's, it can be a little challenging at first because we're not used to doing that. We're used to just being sucked into whatever uh, sense of self and its reaction is happening at the moment, like totally sucked into it, identified with it, and into it. <coughs> we're not used to, this is a kind of a basic mindfulness practice, but with a tremendous... Uh, power of warmth and uh, compassion and acceptance. We're not used to noticing when uh, a sense of self that's reacting to things comes up as just a part of us. So that's the first challenge. And then if we do notice it, we're not used to letting it be included in a loving environment. We tend to just identify with it and react from it. We're not used to letting it be embraced or held in a kind of a loving, holding environment. So this can be challenging at first, but you know, I think it really is learnable. But it does require some clarity on it and some uh, repetition of practice. So is it kind of clear enough? It'll come up in the meditation instruction, but just as this or that part of you comes up, reacting in this or that way, whatever it is for you, first you need access. So you need to find some kind of a field of care that feels accessible enough to you, giving you access to these loving qualities. And once you have that, some part or another of you will probably come up that's reacting in some way to all that. Oh, I don't deserve this, or I don't trust this, or starting to shut it down. Let that very part of you, that sense of self, those feelings, that very reaction, let that just be embraced in this loving environment the field of care has uh, created. Just, and that's the including part. Just let it be included. Let it include itself. I would suggest that these parts of us and their feelings and reactions show up ultimately because they need this. They need our help. And we can learn how to give them that help in this very direct way. 
So will we help them? Or will we just continue to get sucked into identification with them and reacting endlessly from them? But they're not happy that way. They need some love here. Can we let them have it? That's the basic idea. They've been trying to help us. Can we help them? They've worked hard. Can we let them find some rest, some peace? Some love? I know it sounds kind of funny to say that. But that's the thing, that's it. That's the idea. Okay, so let's go ahead and start. So first, again, we need to find your best field of care option. Could be a caring moment. I mean, for many people I've worked with, if the other kinds of options do get too complicated, a caring moment can be a much simpler option. And we've had, I think we've all had many caring moments, though it may take some time to remember them more and more. Just a little moment when someone not, doesn't have to be a perfect person or a perfect dog or a perfect cat. Just in that moment, they were purring or they were wagging their tail or they were just happy to see us, whatever it is, just capturing the moment. That's a moment when qualities from our awareness were also being evoked. Okay. So, just uh, if you need to freshen up a little bit, you can stretch in your own place just for a moment. <coughs> so now the spirit of this again is just whatever part of oneself comes up, sense of self and the reactions that come with it and feelings, it's welcome. Just letting it come up and letting it be included. Every part of you loved in its very being, just letting it be. A different kind of posture toward those thoughts. Okay, so just relax, come down from the thinking mind into the body. You can take a slow, deep breath, kind of inhaling from the abdomen so it expands. And then exhaling slowly and completely. You can relax for a moment, if you want, after the exhale. And repeat that a few times with the abdomen expanding, exhaling slowly and completely. begin to feel the effect of that, the groundedness of it, and the simplicity of it.
then just let the breath settle into its own natural flow while still breathing from the abdomen. And let the feeling of the abdomen moving with the breath just draw you into that feeling more and more now. Just relaxing into it. Now you could bring to mind your field of care. It could be a caring moment or a benefactor or a spiritual field, whatever is most simple and accessible to you. And you bring this to mind not just as a memory, but as happening right now, right here. So you're being seen and held. This is the main point. You're being seen and held in deep care and compassion and acceptance and warmth beyond judgments. Or even right within this practice group, right here, right now, sense that you're being seen and held in that way. And just relax into this experience, and steeping in its loving energies, and feeling its tender qualities and just letting them spaciously infuse your whole being, your whole body and mind. Every part of you loved in its very being. every part of you loved in its very being. Letting these loving qualities unify you with them more, more and more. And if part of you is having difficulty with this practice or starts to draw your attention away, then notice that part of you and what it's feeling in a gentle, welcoming way, just deeply allowing it to be here. And let that part of you be gently included in the warmth and acceptance of this loving environment. Let that part of you also be gently included here in this loving energy and warmth and acceptance.
to just let it find its own place here and settle or metabolize itself in its own time, in its own way. Whatever comes up, just letting it be gently, naturally included in this loving, holding environment in which it can process itself. And if you lose the feeling of loving qualities, you can freshly recall your field of care or just sense this very context of practice right here as a field of care. Present here with you now and just let its loving power draw you back into the feeling of it. to let whatever comes up just be embraced in its loving qualities and energies. Everything loved in its very being. everything allowed to process itself in this loving space. And now you can let this loving environment just help your mind to relax deeply and, and release all of its frameworks of meditation or worry 
and let the mind settle back a bit inwardly and come to rest in the background or ground of its awareness, which is naturally wide open and luminous, like a sky. And let thoughts and feelings that arise just process themselves within this sky-like openness of awareness. By just letting everything be. Good, thank you. So that was meditation two in the handout, becoming more deeply receptive to these qualities. And again, the, the three principles of this meditation. So in a sense, now we've more fully engaged the principles of this meditation and we can continue to explore them throughout the retreat because this form of meditation will come up again and again in other practices we do. And those three principles again are accessing, that is finding a field of care that helps you uh, begin to experience these loving qualities from your own awareness, starting to evoke those qualities. And then as parts of you come up, instead of fighting with this whole process, if you found a, a field of care that's beginning to access these qualities, as parts of you come up that are fighting with all this in the various ways that they do, rather than just identifying with them and fighting with yourself, to the second principle, which is noticing them, so in noticing them, it's basic mindfulness. In noticing this or that sense of self and its feelings that are arising, just by noticing it, you're not fully identified with it. <coughs> and then let it be included. Having noticed it, you now have the freedom to let it be included. Before you notice it, you don't have that freedom. If you just let yourself be fully sucked into it, you don't have any freedom anymore. But if you notice it as a part of you, not you, 
just a part of your mind. If you notice it, you now have the freedom and agency to include it, to let it experience this loving environment. And that can be really profoundly uh, healing and opening in a way that otherwise we don't get to. The power of warmth, acceptance, love, compassion is much more powerful, I think, than our more autonomous attempts to get control over all these different parts of us through whatever means. Much more powerful. But it is, it is a trick to learn that we can, we can do this, we can actually uh, engage these three principles. And they can, as, as we learn to engage them more and more, they can show us more and more of what's possible. How, how the power of love and compassion and warmth and acceptance, how powerful they are, and how much they can, they can do for us. How much these qualities of our deeper nature, our Buddha nature, can do for us. That our own attempts to figure out or control the various parts of us don't have the power to do. That's the basic idea. But then having said that, of course, between meditation sessions, we can also reflect on what's come up and consider what resources we have also to understand more and more about what's coming up for us. But the primary processing of these feelings in this kind of practice tradition is actually done by the feelings themselves when they feel safe enough to process themselves. Not by an autonomous sense of self who's going to process the feelings or get control over them or manage them or whatever. It's a different approach. Is that sort of clear? And different from what many of us are used to, certainly from what I had been used to. But I also found it very attractive. There's something about it. This is really different than what I had been used to as I got introduced to it by my own teachers. But there was something enormously attractive about it, like that there was some truth in it. I could see there was some truth in it. But it was hard for me initially to get to that truth because I was too used to just identifying with this or that part of me all the time. But it's a very gradual process of just... If we sense, well, oh, there might be something in this that's really important for me, that's enough motivation initially to keep exploring and gradually it can clarify. So uh, we have a few minutes and uh, can use this mic. And again, I just ask what, what, um, what, what does this practice uh, newly show you or raise up for you, and also any questions. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.